Welcome to the F&B Podcast. I'm Sahith. And I am Ori. Today we will be discussing cancel culture and its pernicious effects. So both Arya and I believe that cancel culture is bad. And uh, much like our other episode, we will be, our previous episode about school uniform, uh, we will be breaking down the ProCon website. That's just part of our episode today, unlike last episode, which was the entire episode. This is only part of it. And yeah, we'll be breaking down the ProCon website, and then we will be moving on to other examples and having an open-end discussion uh, just between Ari and I. So uh, you want to break down the first <coughs> pro? Uh, yeah, sure. So pro one is basically... So it says, call out culture, so cancel culture, allows marginalized people to seek accountability where the justice justice system fails. So um, by marginalized people, I'm assuming they mean minorities of like like women and uh, ethnic and racial minorities. And so it's basically saying where the justice system fails people like that. Uh, Wait, I just had to add something. So the pro con is saying like, is cancel culture or call out culture good for society? So a pro would be... Yes, it is good, just to clarify. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this first one, it's saying that basically because our justice system isn't always accurate, the cal- ca- sorry, cancel culture fills in the gaps where the justice system fails. Um, so, it gives an example of the Me Too movement, which some of you may remember, which is where um, it's where women through social media were calling out abusers, and it was a way of, it was sort of cancel culture because. It was it was uh, working on reform where the justice system didn't really have an effect. Um, so basically, the pro it's a pretty valid one. Uh, although I don't agree with call out culture, cancel culture, it is valid that in some cases cancel culture can be good for exposing the truths. But the thing is, even though these truths are kind of exposed, nothing nothing in the long term really happens. That's what I've been noticing of late, uh, especially. With uh, movements such as um, BLM, their their like ideology is great, but it seems that um, the long term effects aren't really lasting. So I'm not sure, at, and so I think that although this is stating that um, it allows them to seek accountability in the long term, since nothing is happening, I think uh, it's just creating a negative aura. So actually. Uh, it's it's just affecting our society. Uh, do you have anything to say about this pro? I think you got it all. So I'll be moving on to con number one, which um, Ari and I will be agreeing with. So, or at least in theory should agree with. So con number one, uh, call out culture, cancel culture amounts to online bullying and can incite violence and threats even worse than the original offense being called out. So this is, yes, this is very true. Um, oftentimes when there's like a cancel culture or woke, so-called woke mob coming after a person online, it's often that itself is worse than the actual offense that they're coming at them for. So this thing gives an example of a journalist who retweeted, um, someone's joke about AIDS, uh, that resulted in her, um, being fired, and she says later regret, uh, 
I mean, she, he said later regretted his actions and their results, stating, "Quote: It's easy and thrilling to hate a stranger online." Unquote. And that's actually very true because social media has like really transformed the way people and uh, the way our culture um, functions. So you don't even know who's on the other side of the screen, and you're already like going at them and bashing. You want to say something? Yeah, I just have a... No, you can continue. I just have a question to ask you after. All right. So, yeah, you don't even know who's on the other side of the screen, and you're just going at them, bashing them, doxing them. And uh, this is mostly supported and done on the left side of the political spectrum. But um, it's a problem where... <coughs> I think I see both sides, but gen almost always it's the left. But beside, that's kind of besides the point. But yeah, all I'm trying to say is that it's easy to hate someone online when you don't even know the person. I it's almost like, I can't even imagine doing it in person where you're right in front of the person. So yeah, you wanted to ask me a question. Yeah. So I, first of all, I think you um, summarized this con perfectly. But what I was wondering, so do you think that cancel culture? Um, so if someone was to get canceled, per se, do you think their mindset and um, heuristics or mental framework would really change on the way they outlook society so they would be more positive and less segregating? Or do you think they would just act in a conformist type way out of fear? So basically, do you think cancel culture really changes people for the better? Or do you think it just rules over people by fear because of like the influence social media set, or has, that, like you said? You know, that's a good question because that's a question about asking, like, true regret, if the person truly regrets what they have done or said. But the problem with um, with the cancel culture and the woke mob, per se, is um, there is no, like, there's no apology is good enough for them, basically. Like, all there has to be is, like, a transparent and intelligible account of how you are now different like of how you can now honestly look back and say yeah I'm as embarrassed by that as you think I should be but in the spirit of time uh, on social media it, it is ne it is to never accept any of that so like there's no apology good enough there's the most cynical possible interpretation of the apology and in their minds the only reason you're apologizing is so that you can save your own skin, not that you're truly a better person and you're apologizing. So, yeah. So, basically, there's, like, it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. There's no recovery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, did you want to do pro number two now? Or? Sure. All right, pro number two. Call-out call culture gives a voice to disenfranchised or less powerful pe powerful people. Yes, but you're also, if you really think about it, you're making someone else also less powerful by doxing them and coming after them. And, but I don't understand how, how specifically call-out culture um, helps the less powerful people or disenfranchised or marginalized because you don't need woke or um, cancel culture or call-out culture to do that necessarily. You can, you're, you're always in this, in America, in this country, you can say whatever you want. That's the power of the First Amendment and free speech. So that 
that automatically gives you um, the right to say whatever you want and express your opinion. So you don't need cancel culture for that. And I guess what it's trying to say is that the opinion of less of um, less powerful powerful people is more valued if with cancel culture. I would argue actually exactly against that and saying that it's 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 going against the less maybe not less powerful but the people who have a, um, a less a less um, what would you call it popular opinion and then you're the majority of the people with that same opinion the mob I guess you could put it is going after that person so if anything it's making people more marginalized um, yeah and just wanted to add it on so when you really think about it that way when you so like you said you're accurate like uh, you're spot on with the cancel culture being almost like a mob when you look at it that way, doesn't it almost seem like they're the majority and everyone yeah, that, else is the minority? Yeah, that's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so I think you hit on that really well. And like another example of what you've been saying is that nowadays on platforms like TikTok and Instagram, the people who are like these so quote-unquote activists who use this cancel culture to make a change, a positive change as they, they claim on social media, they're the ones with large followings and they're the ones that are really ruining other people's lives over uh, silly little things. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone is blatantly, you know, racist or something over online, they deserve to have consequences. But I really don't think combating um, negativity with more negativity is the way to go. It's almost like fighting fire with fire. It's not eye, eye for an eye. It's not going to work. Uh, so do you have anything else to say or should I move on to con number two? Uh, you can go to con number two. Okay, so con number two. So... It's kind of what I was just saying. Call-out call culture, so cancel culture, is not productive and it does not bring out social change. So basically, it's just, you're fighting stigma with more stigma. It's just going to lead to an ultimate negativity. So President Obama, so keep in mind, he is a minority. He said, he tweeted, uh, I'm quoting him, like, if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or use the wrong verb, then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself. Because, man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. That's not activism. That's not bringing about change. All you're doing is casting stones. You're probably not going to get far. That's easy to do. So this is actually going back to what you said before, Sahi. You said that um, it's really easy to like cancel people and say things over the Internet because you don't know them, you don't see them. That's kind of what Obama is saying here. He's saying that, yeah, you're just, you're just putting someone down for what they said or something slightly wrong they said. That's not activism. That's just in your own way. You're, you're just being toxic back to them. Um, and so I completely agree because it is just an easy thing to do. You're not really being an activist. You're not getting out there and fighting for what you think is right. You're just doxing someone who you happen to just dislike their your opinion, their opinion, which is completely going against freedom of speech and freedom of idea and so on. Um, and so um, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter notes that people don't understand that uh, social activist organizing isn't going online and cussing people out or going to a protest and calling something out. Uh, activism is hard working and tailing people, or uh, work, our hard work entailing sometimes boring meetings, strategy sessions, building a campaign, and getting petitions signed. So again, she's hinting at the fact, or hitting at the fact that um, although these people think they're activists by just ruining people's lives over the internet because uh, it's easy to do because there's no. Uh, uh, I guess recoil to your actions. 
that's not activism and so you're not making a change you're just making the internet more toxic place um i think it's kind of ironic that it was the co-founder of black lives matter that said this because i know a lot of supporters of that organization are doing exactly what she's just said not to do uh that's basically this whole con is just saying that uh just the so majority of the cancel culture which is via the internet is just it's toxic and it's not good and it's just creating more hate and uh if real activism is out on the streets protesting and there's a lot more to real activism than just uh as obama said like throwing stones at people over the internet so do you have anything to say on to uh, on this con or anything to ask man i think you pretty much got it all about that con so we'll move on to pro number 3 All out culture is simply a new form of boycott a cherished tactic in the civil rights movement to bring about social change. So, you know, wokeness in particular has some history actually behind it. It goes back to the um to Abraham Lincoln's time actually. And I've written an essay about this, I think a year back. I can leave a link in the description so you can go check it out but i kind of mentioned that in the introduction but however all i'm trying to say is that cancel culture in modern day has changed and is no longer it's no longer simply a new form of boycott like i said before there is no apology good enough once you are attacked you are done like there are several examples of this like several almost every day on I mean Twitter is basically like a war zone. I mean every day there's like hundreds of people getting canceled here. And so like a quick example of that would be um the Disney actor Sky Jackson. Uh she so there was if you don't know there was a 12-year-old who uh tweeted out some racial slur. Uh I he he apologized for it several times and claimed that he didn't know what he was doing and he was just young. Uh but because uh this Disney actor had such a large following so again it's an example of the mob uh through the internet and just uh her view her um following on social media she got this boy kicked out of school and both his parents lost their jobs so that's just a quick example of what you were talking about so you can continue yeah i mean that is that is really terrible because he is just a 12 year old 12 you said right yeah. Well, he Just was 12 at the time he said the thing. How old is how old is he now? Now or, I don't like, know. Like or how many years after since he's I think it was almost a year after. So a full year after he's put up this post, he is getting so-called canceled and his his pretty much his entire career is his entire life is over. He's expelled from school for mm-hmm. Yeah, he's expelled from school. His parents his parents lives are over i mean it's it's really just that's just terrible and all because of something he said when he was 12 it may have been egregious and terrible and everything but if he's a, truly apologized like i said before and this is the underlying problem with cancel culture is that there is no apology good enough and i know i keep saying this but that's the truth i mean they don't care how sincere you are they turn it into something just not uh genuine when it truly probably uh, truly can be and 
is, I, I don't know, I don't want to say most of the time, but is several times and they don't acknowledge it and they're still so-called canceled and their lives are ruined. So, so yeah. So I don't think it's, I don't think you can compare it. You can't compare it to uh, a new form of boycotting because it's, it's just truly not, it's not intellectually correct. It's not morally correct at some level of just ruining someone's life and then calling that a form of boycotting. Uh, so an example it gives is um, uh, so it says Hudley states uh, Hudley is um, Hudley states simply quote if you don't have the ability to stop something through political means what you can do is refuse to participate, uh, end quote. Boycotts have long been associated with civil rights movements with the most famous, perhaps being, perhaps being the Montgomery bus boycott began in 1955 after Rosa Parks refused to sit in the back of, the, of an Alabama bus. So obviously we all know the Rosa Parks story, but I don't see, this is like the complete opposite. It's not, you're not, quote, as she said, if you if you don't have the ability to stop something through political means, what you can do is refuse to participate. This is not refusal to the participate. This is doxing someone and getting them out of the society, pushing them away. And um, so it's almost, in a sense, ostracism. So, yeah, you want to do kind number three? Uh, actually, I just want to add on to what you're saying. I think it's almost like disgraceful to compare uh, cancel culture to... Um, the Montgomery boycott, bus boycott, and uh, as you were saying, how some people even uh, compare it to what Lincoln did with the Emancipation Proclamation and the early abolitionists. I think it's almost disgraceful that this pro is saying that cancel culture is basically what these these movements we've seen all the time because things such as the Montgomery bus boycott that is actual activism that's going on on the streets and that is. And my, or don't forget, that is also allowing forgiveness because a lot of these, so the organization, the NAACP that organized all these boycotts were, they were integrated. They, they, they didn't care about your race or anything. It was, it was mixed. All they cared about was viewpoints and they, they, they wanted integration with society, meaning they were fine with living with people who didn't think like they did. All they were asking for equality. So that is activism. Activism in my book is where you fight for what you believe in through a peaceful means, and it's not where you are fighting fire with fire. It's not eye for an eye. It's 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 peaceful, and so I think it's almost disgraceful to compare cancel culture with um, boycotts such as such as that. Uh, so con number three, uh, I'm not even sure we need to really go over it. It's just basically what we've been saying. I'll just read it to you. So it just says, call culture is a slippery slope and leads to intolerance in democratic societies as people uh, systematically exclude exclude anyone who disagrees with their views. So that's basically been what, what we hinted at before, saying that the so-called minority who fuels activism has actually become the majority, the mob, as uh, you've been referencing it. And uh, anyone who disagrees is, is automatically seen as uh, the, the, the toxic majority and uh, they're, they're discluded. So I think it's almost pushing away from democratic values uh, it's completely taking the idea of um, uh, 
it's, it's destroying the roots of popular sovereignty, which is where it's the people's power. It's not really the people's power anymore. It's it's the it's the right people's power. So the so to be said, like the right people in their eyes are the people who agree with them. And so I think it's just really become almost a a, a deadly weapon. It's it's almost like a sword. It's just like if you're not agreeing with them, you're you're just you might as well be dead because your views are not going to get through to them. Uh, and that's another thing. They expect all of their views to just immediately... Um, be put they, on to Yeah, they, 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 they expect for you to adopt everything they say, but they won't hear you out. Uh, obviously, like we've said multiple times, if you're saying something like egregious and just plain out racist online, yes, okay, your views are maybe they're not the best and you do need to apologize. But as you said, no apology is good enough. But... If it's just something where you're just saying, oh, um, I don't know, I don't want to say anything too political, but just say you're saying something that maybe just your view and just disagrees with the mob, uh, it's almost, they, they expect you to absorb and almost be like, okay, I'm so wrong, I agree with you, but they won't even hear you out for a second when you try to say or try to justify what uh, you wanted to say. And so that's the end of this website. Uh, do you have anything to add, or should we just move on? And if so, you can just uh, start reading off from other sites. Yeah, I think we're good with the pro-con thing. I think we covered pretty much all of that. But I think the under the next kind of big question, and I have an answer. I guess I'll answer it first, and then you can answer. Um, so how do we fix it? Because obviously we are, we're need to recover from what's going on because it's going somewhere even more terrible in the future. So how do we fix it? How do we recover? And I think we fix it by we take like, so what you and I are doing right now, we're taking a risk that other people can't or won't, especially at the higher level, more influential people who, who are against cancel culture and want to speak out, but they really can't because if they do, then they're getting, then their cancel culture is coming after them. And then, and then if they come after them, their entire career is over. Like, uh, let's say, um, I don't know, some kind of influencer says something against cancel culture or against the common view, and they get canceled, and their entire they get fired from wherever they're working or their um um wherever they're working and then their entire life is ruined so i think it's people like you and i we need to have civil conversations like our entire podcast um aims to do and we have to t um take the risk to break take the risk to break the spell that we are currently in so yeah, that's my answer. What's your answer? Uh, well, it's a good question, but it's a, it's a hard one because, uh, yeah, I do agree with you that uh, more people should uh, do what we're doing. Maybe maybe it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, posted on the Internet or anything, but just, just be more free with your views and speak out uh, for what you believe in. Uh, but... The thing is, it, that could become dangerous as well because that could create another mob. That I think that's how cancel culture started. These people probably saying, it's just my views, I'm going to speak out, and it quickly became toxic. So that's where I, I'm not sure on how the problem would be fixed because um, it's almost like a, a 
it's like a never-ending cycle almost like if you try and fight it you become it uh i, I feel like the like what you said is accurate though like one of the only ways to combat is just civil conversation uh maybe have conversations with people you disagree with maybe someone from the mob and uh yeah so that's what i think yeah so i think like literal civil conversation like Ari and I are doing right now, like, even though we're agreeing, we're still having a conversation that's intellectual. So perhaps have an intellectual conversation with um, someone you disagree with, like you said, Arya, and perhaps from the mob or someone who strongly believes in cancel culture, but have one that's not like, oh, you're canceled. I, how dare you say that? Something where you actually break it down and have a I don't want to call it an argument, but in a sense, kind of an argument where you break down your opinion and you really think through it, try convincing the other person or perhaps you yourself um, are convinced of any topic. This doesn't have to be cancel culture, but overall, that's how we're going we're gonna to recover from this dilemma we're kind of in. So uh, we have pulled up some cancel culture examples. Uh, Ariana, read them out and then we, I guess we can break them down. Uh, so wait, so should I just read out one and then we'll break it down or should I read out all three and then we'll break down each one individually after? We'll just do one at a time. Uh, so, so the first one is uh, J.K. Rowling. Uh, so she's the author of Harry Potter as all of you probably know. And so she was uh, quote unquote cancelled. Uh, after making a comment on Twitter uh, that offended some members of the transgender community. And so uh, the tweet uh, was like retweeted uh, 95,000 times and drew more than 46,000 comments, which just shows um, how powerful like social media is and like how you said, uh, how like how much of a war zone, uh, what's it called, uh, Twitter is, and so how dangerous it can be. Um, do you have anything to add? before we break it down? Um, not really, but I guess we can just go ahead and break it down. So what was the exact tweet that got her canceled? Uh, give me one second. I'm all right, just, all right. Yeah. Up, so. yeah, we're just pulling it up. Just give it a second. I guess while we're doing that, I can say, I'll give you another example just off the top of my head. So I actually addressed this in my essay or paper, and you can go look it up. Oh. So I'll finish this, and then we actually found the tweet. So there's I list out three or four. I can't remember how many examples in the paper, but one of them that really shocked me when I first read about it was the cancellation of Dr. Seuss. So we all know who Dr. Seuss is, and it's actually his first book that depicts... I'm going off memory here, but it depicts, um, I think, uh, Asian... Chinese, Chinese man with small eyes. And there's actually a New York Times and a lot of other um, famous uh, news um, journals that have written about it. But uh, yeah, that they have completely taken off that um, book, the Dr. Seuss book, his first book actually. I think they have now de decided to take that off of the shelves. Because it, for um, it portrays it like I said, a Chinese man with small eyes and a, uh, I think yeah, small eyes and some kind of, according to the 
yeah, some kind of hat that was racially not accepted. Um, so, that, I mean, that is ridiculous. He had written this at a time completely different, and now you are ignoring the... Sorry, the microphone's glitch kind of. But now you are ignoring... You are ignoring the good things that this man has done for the society and for children, for most likely your children. And you are just taking one of this microphone's glitching. So yeah, you are just taking one of uh, the bad things that he has done, and you are making you are letting that define his entire character. And you have to even take in perspective the time that he has written this, when our racial sensitivity, I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we are more racially sensitive and aware, but you are taking something when, that he has written at a less racially sensitive and aware time and saying that is racist now, which it may be, but now taking it off the shelves and saying that he altogether was a racist man. And I think that is truly unfair and just truly disgusting, like just horrific. <coughs> okay, so you found the J.K. Rowling thing? Uh, so sorry for the microphone. So, um, so the tweet exactly says, so I'm just quoting here, uh, so quote on, dress however you please, call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any, with any consenting adult who will have you, live your best life in peace and security, but force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real, question mark, uh, quote off. So basically she's saying that she does not care however you associate yourself sexually, you can be trans, uh, anything LGBTQ, any of the LGBTQ, she does not care. Do whatever you want, but um, kicking women out of their jobs for believing in sex, which is, of course, a scientific thing that has been proven, uh, is is obviously atrocious. So it's it's a really a good it's agreeable because you know why would you kick anyone out for just believing that sex is real? Because obviously it is real. So this tweet got her in a lot of deep water, um, a lot of deep water with the transgender community. And so on the tweet, she added the hashtags, hashtag I stand with Maya and hashtag, sorry, this is not a drill. And so this tweet was referring to um, a British researcher who lost her job at a nonprofit uh, think tank following a series of tweets that were criticized as transphobic. Um, so uh, the she wrote that some transgender people have cosmetic surgery, but most return their birth genitals, uh, which is of course scientifically proven. Uh, it also says another one of her tweets say that uh, everyone's equality and safety should be protected, but women and girls lose out on privacy, safety, and fairness. And males are allowed in changing rooms, dorms, prisons, and sports teams. Uh, of course, um, referring to transgender females. Uh, so it's more of this type of stuff. Uh, it's not really that controversial, but again, it is seen as just, just, uh, just, just disgusting as the cancel culture by the cancel culture. Uh, so I think it's just disgraceful that she, someone could lose a job over something like this, um, because first of all, these tweets aren't—they're not inaccurate. I mean, they're—they're they're correct. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't mean morally, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna try and impose morals onto you, but I mean, like, factually, they're correct, I mean, 
yes, people are born with genitals and they retain those genitals. It doesn't matter what you identify as, you have those genitals. And it's true, some women might not feel safe if uh, so-on called, I don't know, transgender female was changing the same room. It's like if, if a rabbit went to a changing room and there was a fox that put on a rabbit costume, do you think the rabbit would feel safe? I mean... I'm, I maybe some of them would, but some of them wouldn't. It's just like you can't force people to feel comfortable because they may not be accustomed to these ways. So, what do you have to think overall on this whole J.K. Rowling and uh, Maya Forrester situation? Um, I pretty much agree with you. Um, the actual like morality of it, as you kind of discussed, with, like the fox and the rabbit. That's like a different issue, but the fundamental thing is like you shouldn't be fired for saying what she has said, especially that what she has said is just true, factually, even if you differ differ in um if your opinion is different than hers. So it's like yeah, I I think you got it all, but the again, the underlying issue is that you, I don't. Did did she apologize? Did they ask her to apologize? And did she? And even if did she? Um, are you referring to J.K. Rowling or Maya Forrester? No, Maya Forrester. Uh, well, she doesn't directly apologize, but she does say, "I wouldn't try to hurt anyone's feelings, but I don't think people should be compelled to play along." Look, so she's just saying that she does uh, passively apologize, but yeah, she doesn't publicly. Okay, so um. Um, I agree with you basically on what you said. So yeah, um, we have another example. Mike Lindell. Yeah. So, um, Lindell was, he was the CEO of MyPillow and he was, um, oh wow, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, he, oh my god, he, he was removed from his um, position after he made tweets um, basically uh, revolving around the matter of the whole um, so-called uh, voter fraud that um, many claims to happen uh, in the latest election between uh, Trump and Biden. Uh, so, he, uh, Lindell is, um, he was an ally, he, he was a close friend with, sorry, he was, uh, he was a close friend with Trump, but, uh, he actually spoke out against Trump, I believe, in these tweets, um, I'm not actually able to find the actual tweet, uh, just give me one second, uh, Oh my. Yeah, so while you look at the tweet, I'll just tell you. Um, Mike Lindell, he's like an open Trump supporter, pretty much. And no matter, I mean, we all have differing opinions on. This static is really. Okay. We all have differing opinions on uh, Donald Trump. and But I think that's aside from the point here. Um, but. Let's just talk about something else. Just forget this Mike Lindell thing. I have a question for you. What are you supposed to do when you have been so-called canceled? 
I think that's actually so would you answer that in your opinion so I actually think oh my god so sorry about that I think that you should stick with what you believe in and try and talk to more people about it I think apologizing would be the worst thing to do really because well this is especially if you're not in the wrong yeah, yeah. Like, like if you, unless you say something like terribly mm. racist. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, then you apologize. But if you're like saying something that is not wrong, just different opinion. I yeah, I think you stick with it because I feel like apologizing just fuels the cancel culture crowd because they now know that like oh his opinion was weak he crumpled to us and so they're gonna see you as someone who is below them and uh, you're never gonna get accepted as we've been saying. Apologies just don't seem to be enough. So I think the best thing to do would be to just, let's say you get canceled for something you just said, not wrong, not morally wrong, not scientifically, and anyway. I think the best thing for you to do is to speak to more people who believe in what you believe in and eventually start spreading your conversation with others that don't agree with you. And so I think just civil conversation. I don't think apologizing will get you out of it. I think if anything, it will just... It'll leave you as the guy that just, you know, we said this, said this thing and just going to leave a bad reputation on your name uh, because the cancel culture will believe that you crumble to them. I think if you stand with what you believe, people are going to look at you and it might even, I don't know if it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it might even be a sign of hope in some ways because, oh my god. Uh, the static is really bad. Um... Alright, I think it's fine. Okay, so yeah, I think that you should just stick with your opinion. Uh, so, what do you think? Yeah, so I, especially if you're not in the wrong, if you're just stating your opinion, and there's nothing morally wrong with it, then I feel like the people on the right, I mean, do this sometimes, but, and for the most part, they're right about it, but they also go too far and, like, if they say something racially wrong, that, uh, like truly racially wrong, they still don't apologize, and I disagree with that. But if you were just saying something that isn't morally wrong, <laughs> I'm real laughing because <laughs> Johnny Depp's trial just showed up on our computer for no reason. But, um,. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you're saying something that's not morally wrong, I don't think you should apologize. I think that's the worst thing you can do. Don't feed into them. And, um, yeah, so I agree with you on that. So don't feed into them. And stand strong. Gather people who have the same opinion as you. Kind of spread your opinion and get people to support you. I think that's the best way to deal with it. Otherwise, if you apologize, they're never going to take the apology anyway, so you just apologize for basically nothing other than admitting you're wrong. When you, maybe you even aren't, and you're just speaking your mind. You're true, trying to spread the truth, and therefore that happens. Your apology is not even taken correctly, and you're actually admitting to doing something wrong when you're not, when you haven't thought anything wrong. So, yeah. So, uh, I have a question for you. So, obviously, there's always been uh, activism and reform and uh, 
the static version. We'll just cut this out. This is this part. Okay. Can <laughs> something happen? No, no, it's actually better. There's no static there. Yeah. go. Just don't touch the metal part. Okay. So obviously there's always been activism and boycotts and things like against slavery and feminism and uh, temperance. But for you, what, what, what do you see as the real turning point from this uh, positive and actual activism to this fake activism which we now know as cancel culture so i'm not asking for one specific moment or anything like that i'm not even a specific time period i'm just asking for something general which you feel like flipped the script which really gave power to these uh so-called activists that are just cancel culture well i think the rise of what they now call like anti-racism i mean like, I think it was ultimately the extreme push of political correctness. I mean, we had a good balance of it for a while, and now it's just, it's led to this cancel culture kind of thing. Like, there, you can't say something that you could say 10 years ago that isn't egregious um, today. And that thing isn't truly egregious. It has just become egregious, egregious when it shouldn't. So I think the hard question is, like, I guess you kind of implied it in yours, is where's the line to, that we have to draw to say something like we can box out what someone has said and put it to the side and say that person just shouldn't be part of, I mean, he's just, a truly a racist and I mean shouldn't be part of the conversation at all and perhaps it needs to be I don't want to say docs but he needs to be removed from the social conversation like a KKK leader or a neo-nazi someone like that like it's it's gonna be super hard to find the line to divide it because it has become almost something new that if you are not so-called politically correct the left tries to identify you as a as a Nazi, but we haven't. We need to draw a, a stronger line. In the, it's like, it's quite easy to tell when you have a Nazi, but when you have just a regular person. I mean, we've given you so many examples, and you're canceling them. We need to stop that. We need to draw the line to who we are canceling, and if it's morally acceptable. And, um, yeah, I think that answers your question and another question, so, yeah. Uh, so, do you have anything else to say, or, uh, is this basically just it, and we can just give a final message to wrap up, or is there more to say? Yeah, so I have a question for you. So, it's a hard question, because, like I said, it's very hard to tell, but if you had to give a rough estimate, I know this thing isn't about rough estimates, it's the very opposite, but... If you could just give a general idea of where the line is to where we, I hate to say it, but kind of can cancel them or at least box them out and put them out of the general conversation and say, okay, your opinion is just doesn't even matter because it's so wrong. So what's the line for that? Roughly estimated is my question. Here. You know, uh 
I think that okay, unless you're um, so there's always like reasoning behind what anyone says, but there are some things that people say just out of prejudice and uh, just like based on stereotypes that have no reasoning. So just just blatantly racist comments that have no reasoning. Uh, are no valid. I think just things without valid reasoning do not deserve to be acknowledged. So this this is tricky because we can look at it one way where it's like someone like a KKK member who's just blatantly racist. They they don't deserve to be included in conversation because their reasoning has no logic other than they just want to be separatists, which they they have no further claims for why separatism would be beneficial. So I think they don't. They, they don't have logic to back it up. They don't deserve to be in a conversation. I think there can also be someone that is completely opposite, supporting complete integration, no segregation, but their reasoning is just just horrible. They, they refuse to look at um, the, the negatives. They just look at the positives, and the positives are wrong, so they don't have correct reasoning. They're arguing for a good cause, but because they don't have reasoning, they don't deserve to be included. So I think it's just... Anyone who doesn't have reasoning uh, doesn't deserve to be included. It did, it's not. I mean, it's it's hard question. So it, it 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 depends a little on your on your message, but mostly on your reasoning is what I'm gonna say. See, I think we we kind of have a general idea of where the box. I keep referring to box like the people who don't belong in the conversation because they're so radically wrong. I think we have a good box on that on the right, but the the cancel culture is grouping everybody who's not in the far extreme left. They're grouping everybody there and then throwing them in the box as well, and then so-called canceling them. So I think we've lost that that strong barrier which we had kind of created. And then I also think we lack, like I say, a box on the left. Like, when on the left have you gone too far where you can be excluded from the conversation? That's my question to you. So, uh, I have seen some Wait. things. Uh, yeah, and I think that on the right, we've kind of identified that. Kind of. Not exactly quite either, but we've done a better job. But on the left, no one knows. No one has any idea, like, where we box these people off and then say they're out of the conversation. We, have, we haven't. No one has created. I don't think... I think that's a very big problem and we need to find it. So what, what's your, what's the box for you? Uh, well, I've seen some uh, just posts and stuff uh, where it's extreme views, uh, like from the left, where it's almost like reverse racism. It's almost like, it's like, uh, it's almost a message of like, Give give white people Caucasians like a taste of their own medicine. Like segregate them, like make full black, full, make only black schools. And these are coming from people who support uh, BLM and stuff. So it's not white people saying make or uh, it's not anti BLM saying make only black schools. It's people that support BLM saying you know, segregate segregate minorities and or segregate the Caucasians and majorities from the minorities. So this is this is um. I don't know if they realize that this is basically just racism, uh, uh, because this this is this is literally just racism segregation. This is no better than what the KKK does. I mean, both are separate. They both are believing in segregation and separatism. So I don't really see a difference between the two. And so I think 
just racism in general is because it's all it's like funny it's that there's racism on the right and left uh, and I don't think the left acknowledges that they are uh, some of them are racists uh, it's just reverse racism almost it's racism against them so anti-racism is what they yeah anti-racism uh, so yeah you hit on that before so yeah I think it just goes back to the whole question on uh, who really is the majority and who really is a minority but yeah I think that Racism and anti-racism. So racism for the right and anti-racism for the left would be the cutoff for me. Okay, and what about people like uh, in the workforce, they want 50-50%, um, 50-50, so 50% male and 50% female. What about people like that? Like they want, like I think 99% of um, bricklayers are male. They want, in essence, 50% bricklayers, 50 per, uh, 50% male bricklayers, 50% female bricklayers, or plumbers as another. There's so many examples. And in the medical field, it would be the opposite. There would be There's more females in the medical field. So what about that? So yeah, I think that's, yeah. So I think that, so there are definitely some prejudices against women, like, in, in reasonable jobs like uh, like the STEM workforce, like as you said, medical engineering and all that. There is definitely prejudice against females. Uh, and that prejudice is justifiable by these feminists because these are jobs that females aspire for. But like you said, like factory workers and bricklayers, like you, you can't expect it to be equal when women don't even want those jobs. I mean, there's no prejudice because there aren't women signing up for those jobs. I mean, if... if Let's say there's like a workforce of like a hundred women, maybe one or two will sign up to be a bricklayer. You can't just assume that because those two aren't getting selected means that there's prejudice in that workforce. So like, uh, it's almost like unachievable in some workforces where it's just 50-50, but like, like jobs where females don't even apply because that doesn't make sense. But on the jobs where females can apply, I think that some of those claims are justifiable, but I don't think that the way that these cancel culture people are going about it is correct because they want instant gratification, which is just not going to happen. It'll take a while, but yeah, so that's what I think. Yeah, so this 50-50 thing is like, it's called equal, um, equality of outcome instead of equality of opportunity. And I think anybody in their right mind is for equal... Uh, um, Equality of opportunity. Um, I mean, if you're not, you're just you're in that box we talked about. And you don't belong in the conversation at all. But um, equality of outcome, I think it's completely wrong. Like forcing um, uh, hiring based on fifty fifty. Like, I mean, th you kind of see this even in colleges now. They're they're setting a percentage number for the um, for the race they need in. Like. I don't know any numbers off the top of my head, but I'll give a random, like, so they want, like, 30% uh, African-American in their university, and they don't care if they're the actual applicants and then who um, should actually make it truly on their application. Taking out their race is actually, like, only, like, 2% African-American. They don't care. They're going to take 30% anyway just to meet that marker. So... I mean, that that's ridiculous to me. Like, you're not, you're not, you need to treat people like as individuals. Not, um, you shouldn't let your genitalia or 
um, skin, your epidermis or genitalia define you, and you should think um, be considered as an individual for your personality, thoughts, opinions, intelligence, and those kind of things, not your epidermis and genitalia. So I think these bars of like 30% African American, 20% um, Hispanic, and then blah, 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 in a way that's in itself racist. And that's, I think, the entire, against the entire idea of quality of opportunity, that's the quality of outcome. And I don't like a quality of outcome. So what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think, so what you're hinting at is called affirmative action. It was created by uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson. So. Uh, well, I think affirmative action is a little different, and I don't even know what to think about affirmative action. Like, it's very complicated, but I think it's a little different. But yeah, okay, you can go on. Yeah, so I think setting these status quos is uh, wrong. And that itself is immoral because it's denying people who maybe deserve something more, an opportunity to be great. Uh, so yeah, that's that's about what, all I have to say. Yeah, so um, I think that kind of wraps it up for this episode. So all in all, we talked about cancel culture and its pernicious effects and how we should counter it. I can quickly summarize by saying there's no apology good enough and in order to counter it or rather if you are canceled the best way to do it if you're truly not in the wrong is to just ignore it and not apologize and how do we fix this we have to take the risks to break the spell and we have to have conversations like this like Ari and I are having and we need to be able to talk through it in a similar <coughs> way not just by cancellation um, and casting stones at each other. Um, and we also talked a little bit about um, the left and the right and the box we needed to define on the left. And um, um, Oh, and the other question I actually had for you was, do you think those equality of outcome people should be in the box on the left? Uh... Wait, can you, can, I got confused between the two. Can you just uh, state what equality of outcome is quickly? Okay. Yeah, so it's actually confusing. Equality of opportunity is everybody, you know that box picture? Like that common box one, like here, you can look it up. It's like, uh, just look up box picture of opportunity and um, outcome, I guess. Um, watch. Just look up the men standing on the box. On the box. Opportunity and equity, or equality and equity, I think they call it. Yeah, there you go. So that one. Oh, yes. Yeah, you've seen. So, so the one with all the same box, just one box for all of them, that's equality. And they all have the same opportunity, but then based on their individual, um, in this case, it's height, but it goes at a much, much, much deeper level, like intelligence and how far you're going to get in so many different traits. But that's basically everybody's given the same ground. That's equality. Equity is everybody is at the same end result. So they're given what they need to be at the same end result. 
So that's what equality of outcome is, is equity, and equality is um, what I would call, uh, it was what, um, um, uh, opportunity, so yeah. Yeah, so I don't agree with the equality of uh, outcome people. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, so the equity people, because it's because some people are getting an unfair advantage, which is uh, no better than how reality is. So the people who are arguing for uh, equality of outcome are are almost contradicting what they are arguing against because reality is is a more extreme form of equity because people have uh, unequal resources and the outcomes are not the same. Uh, and they don't like this, but they do like equity where people have unequal resources and have the same outcome. So, yeah, I don't know what to say for that. So I, I just disagree with. Would people. you put them in that box on the left and then they're uh, out of the discussion? or I mean, their morals are fine and everything because I understand wanting everyone to have an equal outcome, but I just don't think it's reasonable. So I would, I, I would, uh, I wouldn't put them totally in the box, but someone was saying that in a conversation I would I would sort of uh, not really take them too seriously all right so yeah um, what about uh, collectivism like you people should be grouped into just purely based on their race and sex uh, so I disagree with that because that's almost like a form of uh, segregation uh, so Wait, what, what group, like, supports this? Uh, I mean, this is far right. Basically, oh. this is basic the postmodernist kind of view on things. Like, just any, every, the only thing that, the basically what defines you is your genitalia and epidermis, your skin and your sex. And, yeah, so that's basically what it is. And it's basically the postmodernist and kind of communist yeah, so I obviously disagree with that because it's like it's almost like a form of racism. So I I I would probably put them in that box in the right of not left. Or sorry, left of uh, not including you in a conversation. All right, yeah. So I think that wraps it up for this episode. So do uh, you have anything to add, or we're done here? I think we're done. All right, thank you for watching this episode, and we hope to see you next time.